Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, I think. Danny, am I? I, I think so. I, th- I think I so. I think I am. But you may have to consult know, with the man. board to find out for sure. I might have to ask the spirits! <laughs> Ouija Origin yes, of week Evil. we are talking Ouija <laughs> Origin of Evil, the 2016 prequel to uh, Ouija from 2014. Right. This one is written, directed, and edited by uh, Mike Flanagan. Oh, yeah, what a man. Edited is a key feature because uh, there was some stuff later on that I'm like, did he? Did he just, to be awesome and shitty at the same time, film this in celluloid? No, it's nerdier. No, he, <laughs> he made it look like it. He, like, he made it look like he did. So I watched this movie with some of my castmates last night. I was mentioning this to you before we started recording today. Right. But, like, there's the, like, cigarette burn in the corner about yeah, every that's 20 how I minutes. It. And yeah. They were so convinced that, like, every time it showed up, they are like, oh, something's going to happen. And I had to, like, hold myself back until near the end, and I was like, guys, no, he just did that for the aesthetic to make it feel like it's like, the 60s. no, you guys clearly haven't seen Fight Club <laughs> or watched a lot of <laughs> old movies. But, um, I, okay, we've been covering, I say this every episode because it makes it a series if I keep referencing it, yes. but we've been covering postmodern sequels lately. And this is one of those that fits in with the general spirit of the theme of these are movies that had a movie that kind of launched this movie into being mm-hmm. um, on th- 47 Meters Down on Cage, Pray at Night. Um, and this movie is, the, I think, one of the only ones that is a prequel. Yes. And it's so it is connected to the original movie, which I remember seeing at theaters so long ago. <laughs> uh, and I don't remember very much about it. And uh, that might be for the best. But mm-hmm. I do remember um, when this movie came out, I was like, eh, sure, I guess. Um, and being immediately shifted in how yeah. this one was made. This one is a very different type of movie that, because it's a sequel, or a prequel, works really well if you just want to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. But I finished this and I was like, I kind of want to watch... Ouija now. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird that I'm even saying, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, it works in that way because it can it can completely stand on its own. Um, and because it's made by Mike Flanagan, it has a lot of these uh, familiar Flanagan staples. But this was right before their big break-ish. Mm-hmm. So it was still kind of germinating, you know, yeah. in, in, the, in the oven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. How would you respond to that? I I think that's very true. Uh, I think this is definitely some of Mike's earlier work where he's like still setting his own tone because like you can you can see the like seeds of what would become like the Haunting of Hill House and uh, definitely Gerald's Game in this movie. Very much so. Um, and, and I do- uh, I, th- I think. Oh, go ahead. I do want to mention that this movie was co-produced by uh, Blumhouse and Platinum Dunes. Yes! Uh, Michael Bay had it again! Michael Bay was in his, like, heyday of producing horror movies with uh-huh. the, at this point still. Um, and yeah, I think Hasbro threw on, a little uh, bit of money though. at them, too. Ooh, you bet. Well, I bet it was because they, they tried it with that first movie, and I'm not sure about the return from Ouija, Mm-hmm. But um, it was not that great, at least like audience perception wise. It was yeah. just kind of eh, fine, whatever. 
And this movie, I feel like part of the reason it defied expectations is because the expectations were so low and because Blumhouse was involved to have, like, well, we can certainly make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it won't be a huge loss if it doesn't do well because we made it for relatively cheap. It's kind of their business model. Yeah. Um, And I think just their ace in the hole was getting Mike Flanagan. Absolutely. <laughs> who brought all of his who brought all of his friends. Like the classic Flanagan actors are in this movie to the point that every main character but one of them goes on to be in the Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. Well yeah, and this is actually where some of his collaborations started with some of these really? actors. Like this was like the first movie he did with uh, Henry Thomas. This was oh, his really? first one with him. Um, this was the first one he did with um, Elizabeth Reeser, who would go right. on to play um, Shirley in Hill House, and we recently saw in the Twilight Saga. Yes, we, I was about to say, like, I cannot forget the fact now that she's Esme Cullen, because mm-hmm. we spent all that time talking about her. <laughs> um, and this was also the first of three times he worked with the actress Lulu Wilson, who went on to play yeah. the younger version of Shirley in The Haunting of Hill House. Um, Lulu Wilson is also awesome. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe that I haven't seen her in more stuff. It's just because I, I'm lazy. Yeah. Uh, so she was in the TV miniseries Sharp Objects that came out the same year that The Haunting of Hill House uh, premiered. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also... Remember that a while back I sent you the... Uh, there's that podcast series on Baroska, and it, the Flanagans are in it. Oh, she yeah. She is in it as well. And I'm like, that track. So they must know Amazing. somebody. Which means, Danny, that Baroska is on Mike Flanagan's radar. And if he Ooh. makes it, I'm going to scream yeah. out of excitement <laughs> and frustration that I didn't do it first. But she's also, more recently in 2020, been in Becky, which I can't believe I haven't seen yet, because mm-hmm. a lot of press is an attention is is now being put onto that movie because Wrath of Becky, the sequel to that movie, came out or is coming out this year. Oh yeah. Damn. I really gotta get on those movies. Mm-hmm. Well Because it's yeah. with um Joel McHale is in those movies as well. Oh yeah. Um I do wanna also note because I think it's an entertaining, it's an interesting little tidbit. She was originally cast in the first Doctor Strange movie. Um, really? But her scene that she was in ended up getting deleted after they filmed it. So she never actually made it into the MCU yet. Which means oh, there's lame. still time if they want to give yeah, her something still time better. To put her, <laughs> yeah, there's still time to put her in X-Men or something. Mm-hmm. Because they really should just take all the kids from the Flanagan movies and just make them the X-Men. You know what? I wouldn't be mad. I would support it. They're all, like, 15. They all can act. They're all really good, and they're all going to be around for a while. Mm -hmm. So, like, don't cast the Strangers kids, because they're already too old. Cast these kids. They're at the perfect, perfect X-Men age. Also, I want to just, because I think it's funny, I want to mention a movie that Mike Flanagan is currently producing and starring in, along with uh, Kate Siegel, which is the remake of 2003's The Room, which comes out later this summer. They're in that? They are in that. Uh, Kate Siegel plays Lisa's mother, who has breast cancer, and uh, Mike Flanagan (laughs) plays Peter, the psychologist who's a friend of Mark and Johnny. 
and Bob Odenkirk I... is playing Johnny. <laughs> yes! Because I, I remember hearing about this remake, and I'm like, is this real or is this a joke? Like, no, it's very real. No, and they're everyone taking is it seriously. Very seriously. Yeah, they're taking it seriously. <laughs> and yeah, it's a, it's a movie they're making for... Um, in order to help a organization for HIV AIDS research. Yes, I did hear that it was all like basically non for profit. Like it's all going to be donated. Like yeah. everyone working on it is just doing it because they're like, "This is funny," or "I really believe in this cause." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we've talked about Mike Flanagan once or twice before, just a couple and, of times. Uh, just a couple of times. So it's only a matter of time before we just like just accept the fact that we're going to be covering all of his stuff at some point. Oh yeah. Um, but this one is noteworthy because it, it came out in 2016, the same year as Before I Wake and Hush, mm-hmm. with Hush being his like breakout hit that we covered a couple of weeks back. Um, but one final member of the cast that I want to talk about is Mike Flanagan's worked with since 2013. His big, like, breakout movie was Absentia, which I've never seen. That was in 2011. Mm-hmm. But his next big one that I have seen is a movie called Oculus. Oculus, which is a sleeper hit. And one day when we cover it, you'll see why. It is oh, incredible. It's so good. And I love seeing that mirror in everything he makes. Exactly. That's, like, his um, Easter egg in everything. Is mm-hmm. The mirror from Oculus is in everything, and it's in this movie, too. It's in the basement, uh, in, in one of the corners of the basement. Yeah. Like, it's hanging in Hill House. Uh, I don't think it's in Hush, but, like, Hush doesn't have a whole lot of stuff in it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's in everything. And it was the first, like, from the get-go, he's already making his little, like, I'm going to put stuff from my other movies in my other movies, and then... Some of my movies are going to be in-universe movies or stories within other movies that I've made. And I'm like, Mike, buddy. <laughs> my <fall>. man. <laughs> I love that, though. It's so cool. Um, so, but, uh, sorry. Uh, Oculus had uh, Annalise Bassa, who's in this one. She's the older sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's also been in uh, Snowpiercer, the show. Uh, yes. That's on USA, I think. I, I, that sounds about right. Yeah, she was also in the 2018 Slenderman movie. Please don't ask us to cover it. It's not yeah, good. Yeah. It's really not good. <laughs> but uh, Oculus, she was in uh, when she was, I think, like 11 or 12 years old. Well, yeah, because she's, I think, about our age. I think so. I think she's a year older than me. I say, yeah, because she was, she was born in December of 98. So she's 24 yeah. now. She's a month she's a month older than I am. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not a year. <laughs> yeah, also that's how old we are now if you really want to like backdate everything <gasps> Wait, we've ever no said. way. <laughs> when she what? was 10, she was on Are You Smarter Than a 5th Grader as one of the students. Bro, was she smarter than the adults? I hope so. I'm I don't gonna say yes. I'm going to say yes. Right. I think that just proves though that like this writing team, because you know it wasn't just Mike Flanagan. He wrote it with a couple of other people um, that he's that he brings it with him all the time. Jeff Howard's one of them. Juliet mm-hmm. Snowden. Uh, she created the characters from the first movie, so she gets you know credit on this one. But Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard have worked together for years. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Howard also wrote the Netflix Resident Evil show. Uh, so I don't know how that exp- like all this explains. 
that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that it's just really cool that every time that the team sits down to write something, they always have kids. They always write those kids very believable, and they're always able to find incredible actors yeah. that bring so much professionalism. And I feel like because he really just likes working with really professional, smart actors that it's so much more collaborative and these actors even though they're children and there's a lot of you know backlash against kids acting now and i totally Mm -hmm. get it but you know these kids it seems like are the real deal like they they are just they love it and they're so good at it well yeah and mike Uh, flanagan they're growing up too unlike any other director i know of can bring out the best performances in all of their actors, not just adult actors, not just child actors, all of the actors yeah, that he works everybody. with. Even if they're, like, side characters, even if they're there for one scene to get the shit scared out of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ah. He's such a brilliant right, man. man. I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm sorry, we're just gonna keep talking about my let's, how great he is. Let's stop gushing, let's start it's, getting into more of the movie. It's getting to the point that I'm afraid if he or anyone that knows him ever listens to this, it's gonna be, like, a little embarrassing. But, like, we meet it with as, at the utmost respect. That, I don't like, care if I'm embarrassed. Fans. I want. I, oh, no. I will say I'm a huge supporter <laughs> until the day I die. Oh, no, I am, too. I just want to make it noted that, like, we just really appreciate that an artist is doing this. Like, yes. it's not just the fact that he's doing it. We appreciate when any filmmaker does something like this because it shows how much they care and the the product speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. If you just make a consistently good catalog of material, it says something about the type of artist you are and how yeah. much, you know, care you put into it because every, if every aspect about it is awesome, mm-hmm. you cared enough to make every aspect of it awesome. And I'm just glad that a studio let you do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right. Yes. So yeah, we can we can get into it if you want. So yeah, this movie takes place in um, the 1960s, specifically, I believe, 1967 in Los yeah, Angeles, California. Oh, the leaves are brown <laughs> and the sky is. Am I doing it right? That's the that's how you do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's singing, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And this is where we meet um, a widow named Alice who works out of her home as a spiritual medium. Uh, Yeah, this is a. It's really cool that this movie tackles this subject, especially with the last movie being so like, like. It's actually kind of interesting. We talked about it a bit on our Amityville episode, but like the tendency to like just kind of use people's unknown, like, the unknown of the occult mm-hmm. as, like, a thing to scare them can work, but there's a lot of people out there that are like, a lot of this stuff isn't real, and we, it's very purposefully done. Like, mm-hmm. from the get-go, we learn that, like, kids, fortune tellers and mediums are liars, and here is exactly how they lie, yeah. and here is the justification for why they do it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, because you, it's still... You know, it's about the showmanship aspect of it. Yeah. That's what they kind of get into. Exactly. Um, and so, how we're introduced to Alice is she is working as a medium with these two people, the Brownings, uh, Mr. Browning, played by Sam Anderson, and uh, Jenny Browning, played by Kate Siegel, in her appearance. Yeah, in Kate this Siegel's movie. in there. <laughs> uh, where Mr. Browning is essentially like trying to reach his 
past his um, deceased partner, his wife. Yeah. Um, to get like to hear from her about what he should do now that his daughter right. is asking for a bunch of money. Um, well, the dude that she's like seeing is like, mm-hmm. hey, if you give me a bunch of money to like invest in this thing, I'll marry. You know, her. I'll marry. I'll marry her, and you know. I, that sounds very suspicious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's never a good sign. Um, but it, it kind of shows Alice's character of like, yes, she's lying to people, but it's not in a facetious way that a lot of these type of people do, where mm-hmm. they're preying on your weaknesses to get money from you. They're exploiting your emotional vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But she just wants to help people. She's genuine about it to the point that like, he's asking his dead wife, like, Hey, should I invest in this company? And like, she makes sure to like blow out the candle and be like, don't, no, do, don't it. do it. Cause she's like, I know a scam when I see one. Cause I am a scam artist. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And like, I think that's really important because, um, after they leave, um, we see, uh, Alice's daughters, Lena and Doris and who help her run the scam essentially. And they're like, but why yeah. do why did you answer for it? Because like we, I thought we were just supposed to give people the answers they wanted. And she was like, well, I try not to pass judgments, but nobody's perfect, so sometimes I still have <laughs> to like put it out there and try to help people. Right, like she levels with her daughters because we learn very early on that the Zanders are they they're a fatherless home because their mm-hmm. their dad passed away. Which um, Doris so, doesn't know, which I still think is kind of upsetting. No. They never well, told Doris. They said that he's out on work. That's... Don't lie to your kids. <laughs> Just tell them the truth. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's interesting because she she does talk to her father, like, when she prays. Mm-hmm. So, like, on some level, I think she does know... Um, and they just don't know if she's like ready for it, but it's like, you know, just like with all kids, like they know more than they, than they seem and and Mm -hmm. they can handle more than, than you think they can Yeah, to a certain degree. But like, you know, there's, there's something to be said for like, Alice's point is like, yeah, we're lying a bit, but it's to help people. Yeah. It's for like, most people are, when they go to psychic, most people you assume, they go for closure. They're they're basically just paying you to tell them what they need to hear what they want to hear. Is like mm-hmm. they just want to know that their loved ones aren't in pain anymore and that they're not mad and that things are okay and they're in a better place. And that's really it. Yeah. And being able to tell people that is good. And I, on some level, it's only going to work if they believe in it. So paying for a quote-unquote service mm-hmm. of someone quote-unquote channeling the dead to tell you that they're okay and that they love you it's not that bad yeah. at a certain point. If you start saying that you can channel them and that they can talk to them, then you're opening up an avenue for, like, an addiction. Like, yeah. these people are going to want to talk to their dead loved ones because, of course, they would. And mm-hmm. you can't enable that. Like, that's not ethical. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we get a very quick indication that Lena's not very happy with her mom ever since... Uh, their dad her dad passed away and so she escapes that night she like crawls out the window to go to a party with some of her friends um yeah so this is my favorite like in- indication that it's the 60s because like they've got the music and like mm-hmm. because it's directed with this in mind there's a lot of a sp- a te- special attention to like music and like lighting and colors and, and costumes especially well yeah um <laughs> but there's once there's one bit where like 
it's all of Lena's friends are there, and, like, there's, like, this older boy mm-hmm. there who's talking to one of them, and the girl's like, I don't see why we can't just walk on the moon. Why can't we just go <laughs> up there and walk on it? And he's like, it's not that simple. And I'm like, ha, the 60s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is still <laughs> like, two it's years before the moon landing. Exactly. I was like, hmm, so it's definitely not the 70s, because it, it's a little tough for me sometimes to tell. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they're like, people can't walk on the moon, I'm like, oh, it's like the mid-60s. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, because that happens, like, four different times they keep reference like the news they're talking about like the moon and i'm like i get it yeah like every time doris is watching tv it's something about the astronauts (laughs) and i'm like yes i love it i love it (laughs) because honestly at the time that was all everyone was worried about was like bro we can go to space yeah like how like how would that work and every night the news was just like all right for those that don't know yet like this is the science behind us walking on the fucking moon and americans were like bro do it at whatever it costs. It's fucking awesome. Let's mm-hmm. go there. We gotta uh, cover the moon landing someday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cover the space uh, horror movies like Apollo eighteen. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but while she's at this party drinking "quote unquote" coffee, um, Ooh. they pull out the board game Ouija. The what board? The Wega board? The what? The Wawag board? The board. Can you burn a Luigi board? So I did, I didn't do much digging. It's it's just one of the first pieces of trivia, but I forgot that this is how, it's like the name comes from the words for yes in Mm -hmm. French and German. We and ya. So it should be we ya? Unless. that sounds too much like a weird alien, like, you know, race. Unless you decide to believe um, the theory, which is a lie right. from the creator, it's not that real. he asked the board what to name it, and th- and it said Ouija, and it said Oiga. Um, it said Oiga, <laughs> but that's not true. It said Luigi, so it, it, and it then named he's like, the Mario what? Brothers. I didn't quite catch that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, um, so yeah, the, but, the, but the Ouija board, you know, was and is a, a mm-hmm. board game that you can get at a, a toy store. Yep. Um, so it's of course real. Uh, yeah. and there are rules. There, there are, are very three rules, rules when you in play particular the... in this movie. Right. Um, you cannot play alone. Um, you, uh, you can't play in a graveyard. Can't play in a graveyard, and you always have to say goodbye to close it out. You have to say goodbye. You can't leave the ghosts on red. It's rude. Yeah, they'll be mad. They'll be sad. Yeah, they'll be pissed, man. They'll 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 just follow you and be like, "Bro, what? What's are you ghosting me?" Yeah, it's uh, my job. I'm ghost. Get it, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um. However. Um, Lena's friend Ellie's mom shows up and is like, hey, what the fuck are y'all doing? Hey, I'm drunk. I need you kids to not be drunk in my home. Yeah. And Alice has to come pick up Lena with Doris asleep in the back seat. Like, I do not understand why she needed to bring Doris along to shame her sister. Danny, 
there are satanic cults out there that are going to abduct your children in the night. This is the 60s, remember? Oh, that's true. Like, there's danger around every conceivable corner. That's Charles Man- I mean, Charles Manson hasn't been around yet, but, like, pretty soon they're going to be worried about cultists all the time. Yeah. Um, but this is when Alice is like, hmm, maybe I could use a Ouija board to help with my readings. <laughs> It's not a bad plan. I mean, honestly, it's a very spooky-looking toy, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are vaguely aware that they're like, "Ooh, we can talk to the dead on it." So if you brought, if you bust it out at a, a medium's house, first of all, that's how you know they're not real. Yeah. But at least at the time, it was like the Rubik's cube. Where, like no one really knew that it was just full of shit. It, mm-hmm. it actually seemed like it could actually like unlock doors or something. Yeah. And so when you, ba- it's a very easy to fake it. If you're, like, a psychic, could you just put a magnet on the bottom of the planchette and then on your knee beneath the table, Mm -hmm. and you can just move the planchette all around, and it's real spooky-like. However, when she immediately breaks the first rule by trying to play it by herself. um, Yeah, come on! And when she does, we see that Doris, upstairs, is answering the questions that her mom is asking to the board. Dude, it's really freaky. Which is <laughs> it is legitimately a scary. creepy way to start this. Yeah, this movie all like gets really creepy very Real fast. Um and so we don't we don't know who she's talking to just yet, but we know that she is talking to someone or something. Right. Um and you know, cuz then but then Lena's like, "Excuse me, Doris. Um you just said words that were kind of creepy. You want to explain that? And Doris doesn't have any memory of it. She mm-hmm. doesn't remember saying anything at all. Yeah. And that's, um, I don't know, it's, this movie kind of progresses to a point that it kind of reminds me of, like, the real-life haunting behind The Conjuring 2. Yeah. Uh, with that girl that could speak with ghost voices and no one could figure out, like, how or why that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but Doris being that vest, like, that mouthpiece is a very creepy thing for the movie because Lulu Wilson is at the time was like very she's like she's probably like she's like 10, 10 years old no older and she's got these like big like wide eyes that mm-hmm. seem very innocent so when she looks at you and says some cryptically awful shit like the details of what it's like to be strangled to death that monologue like, fucked with me last night yeah i'm like good god this is really creepy <laughs> Yeah. And she'll just, like, go back to normal afterwards, and you're like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, this is when Alice comes home and sees that there's a foreclosure notice on the d- front door. And so right. the three of the three girls use the board to try to talk to their father. Or to... Right, about, like, what do we do? Father, to Roger. Being like, hey, what can we do about this? And Doris ends up finding a secret compartment with a pouch of cash. Yeah. And she brings it up to Lena and Alice. While Lena and Alice are having this moment of being like, hey, we should probably tell Doris what actually happened with Dad, because, like, this is no way to work around it. (laughs) This is weird. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Doris is, like... A genuine grade A medium. She channels several ghosts for her mother. Uh, She's able to do, like, actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And Alice is like, you know, well, my mom was a medium before me, and like, she actually could do it. Maybe I skipped a generation, but I like, 
Right. It just, right. I mean, it, it's very like Haunting of Hill House to be like, as the generations go on, it gets stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just very cool because it's like, Doris is so young that she doesn't really, she kind of knows about like what is and isn't real. Like mm-hmm. she's, Doris is primed for all this. Like she knows that her mom runs a business of like faking it. Cause she helps her. Like she yeah. helps play this part. Right. Um, but she also like prays to her father in a way that I think she does know that he's gone, but she mm-hmm. thinks that he can communicate with her. Obviously yeah. very easy. And in a very typical ghost kid way, the kids don't know the difference between, like, actual ghosts and just, like, what they think of as, like, part of their reality. Like, Mm -hmm. being able to talk to people through prayer. Like, she hears voices and just will say it, and they're like, oh, okay, well, you know. Yeah. She prays to dad all the time. But it's like, no, I talk to him. Like, mm-hmm. legit. Well, uh, yeah. It's not really until they sit him down that she, like, gives details and shit. Well, yeah, and, like, the next time, or right after she finds the cash, um, they do another Ouija session when um, they ask the board, or specifically Alice asks the board uh, something that only Roger would know the answer to, she thinks, which is where she told him that she was pregnant, which was in the shower. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, no one else was there with them. So it has to be Roger who knows the answer to that question. And so Alice is suddenly very excited because she thinks it's real and that they're in communication with her past husband. Yeah. Which is which sad. Throws a bit of a, it is sad. And it also throws a bit of a wrench into uh, my ship for the movie was uh, Alice and Father Thomas. Yeah, uh, because Father Henry Tom. Thomas is... First of all, Henry Thomas is Father Thomas, which is perfect. Uh, and I really appreciate, like, a good priest character. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, usually they're not great. And he's really good. Like, Father Thomas is, like, an actual good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he cares about the family. And Alice is, like, absolutely into him. And it's kind of adorable. Oh, yeah. Well, and, like, like we find out that Father Tom <laughs> used to have a wife and then joined Ooh. the priesthood to, like kind of said himself that he can never get hurt again after his wife passed oh, away but but i can fix him says alice She's yes. like but she just he just hasn't had me yet you know you just gotta you get back out there um but at the same time it's it's upsetting because like when he calls her into the office she's like oh okay like what's up what's up father thomas and he's like um does your daughter like no cursive no cursive because uh she, her homework is like not written by her Mm-hmm. And we didn't teach her cursive. Um, so it's around this time that Alice starts to put the pieces together of, like, I think Doris is, like, actually channeling spirits. Mm-hmm. And we can use this to make more stacks of money so that we can, you know, actually run, an a- like, a good, helpful business for people. Yeah. To, like, have them actually talk to their loved ones. Because Doris not only can communicate with spirits authentically through the Ouija board but also can speak in their voice for a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, and as she continues to use this seeming power, um, she starts to get this pain in the back of her neck. Yeah. Um, which she d- can't entirely figure out. Like, she takes pain medication, but nothing's helping. So she decides to look through the planchette to see what it is, because she's seen ghosts through it before. Yeah. 
Um, so nothing yeah, could possibly be wrong if she finds something that's causing her pain. No, man. There's, I tapped, I typed it all in all caps because it scared the fuck out of me. Yep. Which is Shadow Man, Shadow Man, Shadow Man. And you know who plays the Shadow Man? Yeah, it's Doug Bradley. Uh, Doug Jones. Oh, Doug Jones. Sorry, not Doug Bradley. That's yeah. the pinhead. Doug Jones is the uh, he's the just like the quintessential like ghoulish man. Because uh, if you need a guy that's that uh, a character that's like long and skinny and thin, yeah, higher. Usually Jones. Doug Jones, right? Uh, but yes, um, but he he sticks his hand, his like whole ass hand, he, into Doris's mouth. Her. And like this is the first time we get her like misshapen mouth that you see a lot yeah. from here on out. That is creepy that quite as a shit. Bit. It's really scary. <laughs> it looks very real. Yeah. And, like, I know they used it in some, like, advertising, but, like, fuck, it does not get oh, yeah. any easier to look at. I would say for those people um, that are on TikTok a lot, those um, doppelganger TikToks that are really freaky, Danny, if you've seen these, these are really scary. It's, like, people that are, like, in their house by themselves, and then all of a sudden they'll see someone that looks just like them, but they'll look like Doris when she's possessed. Oh, when they shit. won't have eyes, and they're, they have, like, a creepy-ass smile, and usually they've got, like, a knife or some shit. And it's always, like, the last thing you see before the video ends. And, oh, like, that's this terrifying. Really scary. I want to see more it's of that. It's fucking terrifying. Oh, dude, just look it up. Look up, like, doppelganger TikToks. And okay. You'll have nightmares. They're fucking... It actually kind of scares me more than I'm willing to admit. Mm-hmm. But this is... The, it's that same effect. It's, like, the, the rolled back eyes, the wide mouth, the, like... She just appears places, like, mm-hmm. and then, like, will glitch out, like, without you even knowing. Yeah. And that sort of thing is really terrifying. It was not really the direction I thought this movie was going to go. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, God, the worst one is right after she gets possessed, like, she gets, like, falls backward after this dude, like, I don't know, climbs into her body through her mouth or mm-hmm. something. Uh, and we, we cut up to, like, Lynn's room and... She's whispering into her ear like uh, really fast. Yeah. I really hate it. <laughs> I really don't like it. No, no. And now she's like a creepy little Wednesday Adams at school. She just mm-hmm. kind of stands there staring into like the middle distance. And then that kid's like, I'm just gonna fuck with her and try to shoot her with my slingshot, like a Bart Simpson, you know? Yeah. And Except then she, she has carry powers. <laughs> Right, and it's really scary because he can't, like, put it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, he just, like, point-blank shoots himself in the face. Yeah. Uh, and that's very grim. So this movie has, like, accelerated past the point of many possession movies very quickly. Like, mm-hmm. usually it's more of a like like a like a slow burn, and it's, like, a while until she starts hurting people. It's like, no, nah, it's the next freaking day. Yeah. Immediately, Doris is dangerous. <laughs> well, yeah, and Lena's like, this is not right. Also, she doesn't want to go to school anymore. She wants to stay here talking to her friends, and she finds papers in Doris's room that aren't written yeah. in English. No, the, the Polish... Diary, um, we find out more about later. But yeah, Doris is writing in other languages, mm-hmm. which is a big, you know. So at the same time, Alice is riding this high. She thinks that Doris is, you know, grade A medium, absolutely no problems. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Lena, yeah, is over here being like, I think my sister is haunted as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Alice is, you know, she's 
she goes out on this date with the priest, and, like, neither of them know it's a date until they're out there, and, like, mm-hmm. just kiss each other already. Um, but he's like, uh, I kind of wanted to ask you out to this very romantic dinner to talk about your kids. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're not gonna, they're not doing well, and, you know, they kind of open up about their, their dead significant others for a bit, they kind of meet common ground on that, and then around the same time, they both realize, like, oh, shit, they would want us to move on and like we would be really compatible. Mm-hmm. And in the saddest line ever, I hate whenever they do it, it always like it's like a gut punch to me. But he's like, ah, maybe in another life. I'm like, that's the saddest line ever. Yep. It's just so s- sad. And then the second later, Doris is interrogating Lena's poor boyfriend about what it's like uh, to get strangled to death. <laughs> with just a slow zoom in, like Pearl from uh pearl last year except it's not as long thank god um it's just a slow zoom into her face while she's describing the horrors of what you feel as you suffocate to death and then she's like oh well have fun and then she goes back to the tv well see you later (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm like dude i know that she's cute but like lena is clearly the only normal person in this family right now Mm -hmm. you need to leave because um, like Doris is changing mm-hmm. um, Lena knows it and Alice finally starts to see it as a problem uh, when um, Father Thomas shows up um, because Lena has no other choice but to come to him and like listen uh, my sister's writing in Polish and she's really weird uh, but I'm really scared mm-hmm. and once he gets those papers translated uh, he is rightfully fucking terrified. Yeah. And he shows up to the house like a little exorcist, um, and he's like, hey, uh, about I'd that like reading. I'd like that reading, after all. Can you give it to me? And so eventually Alice is like, yeah, of course, of course. You know, brings Doris out. Doris starts immediately, like, knowingly smiling at the... Pre- like, they just lock eye contact the mm-hmm. whole time. And it's both of them being like, I know the other one, like, knows what's up, but, like, yeah. Alice doesn't. Well, yeah, and, like, at <laughs> and this point, Doris, he... <laughs> Doris doesn't even touch the planchet when she's using the Ouija no. board. It moves completely it. <laughs> on its own. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's sign number one, that your house is fucked up. Well, and she starts giving, you know, she starts giving Thomas his, like, details about his wife, and Alice's like, oh, it's, it's great, he's getting this closure. Mm-hmm. And then he's like... Okay, um, so the reading is over. I need to talk to you about your other daughter, like, right now. In private. Um, like, in private. Like, Lena's in trouble at school. Can we talk, uh, like, Doris, immediately just go watch some TV. from Doris? <laughs> and Doris is like, why? What's the problem? I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. But they pull Alice into the other, and they're like, listen, um, so she's haunted, and here's what's up. Because he's, like, explaining to her, like, listen, I know the tools of the trade. I know how it's possible to lie. Because the first thing she asked was, like, I asked was, like, what's my wife's middle name? Mm -hmm. And I thought the answer. And so Doris was able to deliver what I thought. But it was wrong. But I thought the wrong answer. So Mm -hmm. I know that she's not talking to my wife. But I'm not saying that she's a liar. I'm just saying that there are, like, There are other things. (laughs) So, Doris is writing in other languages, and she's writing about other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And um, in order to get the Polish pages translated, uh, Father Thomas took them to this poor, poor nun. Poor nun. Who fled Poland from, uh, in the war, 
so she's probably not doing great. No. You know, because Pol- Poland didn't, for those that don't know, did not do well in World War II. Correct. A lot of bad shit happened there, like the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this poor woman has to translate these diary pages that are from a man called Marcus, who was a a, a Holocaust victim, mm-hmm. or a survivor, a Holocaust survivor, um, and he talked about meeting an occult Nazi scientist. Named the Devil uh, Doctor. Who, the Devil, that's awesome. I'm sorry, the Nazis are not cool, but like <laughs> it's like naming him Dr. Satan. You know, from House of the Thousand yes. Corpses. Uh, so this scientist escaped uh, the war after they, you know, so the Marcus survived, the scientist escaped into America. Mm-hmm. Um, once he moved to... You know, back to the United States, he saw the doctor living under a different name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently this doctor um, is running these experiments in his basement in a secret room mm-hmm. where he was pulling some real ketchum shit. Uh, where he would cut out these people's tongues like, and remove vocal their cords, vocal cords. So they couldn't scream. S- and uh, the uh. journal doesn't end at his murder. It, it goes on to describe that um, the spirits, because they couldn't communicate, were stuck in this house, and that over time they went nuts because of isolation and because they were able to, like, peer back from the void mm-hmm. and, like, other shit that was never human showed up and was like, what if we just, like, fucked with these poor ghosts that are stuck here forever mm-hmm. and then corrupted them into, like... I don't know, just fucked up shit. And yeah. those things are attached to Doris. <laughs> well, yeah, they want a voice, and now this girl has something that they can use as her, their voice, which is why it whispers all the time, and it continues to that is, communicate. It is so scary, because it is not just the fact that she's possessed. She's possessed by multiple spirits, mm-hmm. and it's multiple spirits who used to be normal people, but have, like seen hell and know like the unparalleled like horrible sights that they have seen Mm -hmm. so much so that describing them to people drives them insane (laughs) yeah well and they've been watching this family since they moved into this house years right so they know all of the answers like they know everything about their relationship they would know that the father you know she, she told uh alice about uh, Lena in the shower. Like, mm-hmm. he, they know all these things because they've been here the whole time. And on top of all that shit, that means that they broke one of the cardinal rules. They, they played, played in, a in a graveyard. Cause all the bodies are still there. Mm-hmm. Now, as this is all happening, poor Mikey shows up, who is Lena's <laughs> <Mike>. boyfriend. <laughs> the poor guy. I love Mike and he didn't deserve any of this. So he shows up and Doris is like, hey, uh, she'll be right back, but do you want to come with me to the basement? No. Because no, I, don't uh, I found, do that, I found some money down there and there might be more. I don't I don't want to go with you, child. You told you talked to me about strangulation and then went back to watching TV. I don't trust you, but And you watch the TV when there's nothing on the TV. Right, she would just watch like the static. Well, yeah, because this was back in the day when, like, TV would end at one point, and it would just be... Yeah! Like, we will return later for the rest of the night. Right, we'll broadcast later. Go to bed, you animals! Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, 
Mikey does not last very long once he discovers the skull um, in the wall. And we don't see him die just yet until um, Father Tom, Alice, and Lena go after the Ouija board to try to burn it. And then Mikey's body drops from the ceiling, hung to death. Or hangs you know to what's death. really scary? I don't know if she did that to him. I don't know if she did that to him or if they possessed him and he did it to himself. Or, again, because she grabbed him and, like, whispered all those horrible shit, if he just, like, killed himself. Oh. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what happens with fucking Father Tom. Because up until this point, right before, you know, he shows up, when they're like, we gotta burn the Ouija board, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. I'm like, alright, this is shaping up to be a relatively by-the-numbers possession movie. Yeah. Granted, up until now, it's been a really good, well-paced movie. I really like all the actors in it. It's edited very well. There's a lot of attention to detail. It's scary. But I'm like, I've seen a fair amount of possession movies. They always, like, do the thing, the demon goes away, and everything is fine. Mm -hmm. That is not what happens in this movie. There's the way into the secret room that Father Tom's like, all right, I'll go in and face Doris, and if she's still there, I'll bring her back. Right. Except... But, um... (laughs) So... I, one of the things I really like about demons in movies, like mm-hmm. in, in horror movies, is sometimes they'll say some of the most metal shit. Yeah. It's, just, it's some of my favorite. Like, Evil Dead Rise is full of that sort of I thing. I still you know? need to see it. Uh. Oh, dude. We got to cover a bonus episode of it when you see it because yes. it's fucking awesome. But, like, you know what I'm talking about, where, like, the demons will just say some offhand, like, cryptic shit that's, like, hell yeah. Well, the thing you I know? can think of with Evil Dead Rise is just in the trailer, just. Mommy's with the maggots now. Mommy's with the maggots now. This movie, I think, keeps, like, up, like one-upping itself. Yeah. Because the first thing, because, like, he, Father Thomas sees Doris, and he's like, holy shit, that's terrifying. And he mm-hmm. starts praying, the Lord's Prayer. And in, like, several voices coming out of the same body, Doris says, he can't see this house, Father. If he could, none of us would still be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he starts to try to like, reason with it, and he's like, I'm sorry this happened to you. And I'm like, okay, maybe if they were normal spirits, that might have worked. Yeah. But they're so beyond that now. Like, they are past the point of, like, they've seen, they have seen the sights. Yeah. You know? Like, they know. They've seen the Cenobites. The, the depths sites. of. Yeah, right. Like, this is like if the Cenobites, like, it's, it's exactly like the Cenobites. They took the spirits of these victims, and they, like, perverted them into just, like, raw haste. Yeah. And they just shot them right back at people. Because they kill Father Tom. Like, he pops out well, yeah, he under pops the assumption out, that it's like, ah, oh, well, everything's fine. <laughs> but he is possessed, and he essentially runs Alice and Lena up the stairs and then locks himself in the basement, where Doris is right there to, like, scream, force-push him, and then he breaks his neck on the stairs. Yeah, like, they actually made crawling on the walls and the ceiling scary with Doris, just yeah. because of what's going on with her. Um, and yeah, for the rest of the finale, it's kind of like, she beats all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, whoever comes to first, like, tries to not get their shit wrecked. Because at this point, Doris is now like, I'm going to cut out mom's vocal cords because I'm a horrifying monster creature. But mm-hmm. she's left, like, Lena behind because she was, like, whispering into her ear, 
when Alice is like, you need to take me. Like, what is it that you want from Doris? And all it says is voice. Because mm-hmm. none of them can speak. And it's kind of maybe gl- good that they can't. Yeah. Because if they could, it probably would be very bad for anyone that ever moved into that house. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, but that's why they like the, the Ouija board so much. Well, yeah, and at that point, Alice is like, just take me. Leave the other two. Just take me. And then the spirits just go, we'll take all of you. We'll take all of you. I'm like, oh, shit. So the demon's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's not every day that you see that happen in a movie. <laughs> uh, and this is when the spirit of Roger... Um, the dad. The dad shows up, and um, he carries Lena to her bed, and Lena finds out that the doll she saw earlier that had its mouth stone shut was actually done by her dad and not by her little sister like she thought, because it's in order right. to shut out the voices. Yeah. Which she realizes is a clue and how she has to defeat her little sister with the spirits. She has to it's sew really Doris's creepy. mouth shut to finally yeah, stop the spirit. Very scary, especially because like when she tries, like Doris is still possessed by these like weird shadow people. Mm-hmm. So like she's got powers, yeah. Um, and it's difficult. You know, I mean, like Lena does manage to sew her mouth shut, um, but Doris doesn't make it. Yeah, Doris like, will not they kill survive her. that. And at first, when we see her after that, she opens her eyes and her mouth isn't sewn shut. But then we see that Doris is looking at her dad, which means they are reunited right. in death. Right. And at this which, point, I mean, Alice yeah, is not yeah, doing well because we'll she escapes it. her chains and is like, oh, God, Doris is dead. It, it's not it's not Lena's fault. You had to do what you had to do. But right. Um, and this is the and point. And isn't it convenient? That she said that right before uh, Lena's eyes roll back and she stabs Alice. Mm -hmm. So the only witness to, like, what else happened, you know, it dies. Well, and Alice, even after getting stabbed, still continues to tell Lena that it was not her fault that either of them died. Which is devastating. It is. It's, It's really fucked up, especially because now... Lena not only has to live with it because she made it, mm-hmm. but she goes down for all the murders. Well, yeah, the next and thing gets we committed see to like is a psych in a in a mental hospital, being like, "Hey, so your mom is dead. Where is your sister? We can't find her. Where is she?" Um, and Lena has lost her mind at this point because she can barely hold a conversation with this doctor. Um. And then when she's left alone in her room, she tears up a corner of the carpet, uh, pricks her finger, and makes a essentially a Ouija board out of her blood on the ground, and it's uses scary, a lens from a gla- from glasses to create a planchet with her hands to use. And she want and she's trying to talk to Doris, which kind of works. Uh, I'd say it works. I mean, she manages to get the spirit in there to pop up on that doctor when he sees her sitting in the room. Yeah. And that was freaky, man. That's the first time I think I've actually seen the ending of the movie, too. So I was like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Well, and then after the credits, because lest we forget, this is a prequel, and this is the only real indication right. that it is, 
is in the post credit scene, which shows a quick time lapse of Lena in the mental hospital where she ages up about 50 years to where the original Ouija takes place and someone opens the door and said, there's someone here claiming to be your niece, which is the person in the original Ouija movie. And like I said, I really want to watch that first movie now because now I'm like into it. (laughs) I think they're both on Netflix currently. They are. Yes. Yeah. Go watch them. Go watch this one first too. It's like, it's a really good way to get you into it. It's such a good supernatural horror movie. Oh, awesome. It's so well made, too. Like, again, mm-hmm. because of the Flanagan, but because this is its own thing, and the direction they went in with, like, okay, if you're going to make a horror movie about a Ouija board, mm-hmm. they well, the first time they did it, it, it was like, yeah, okay, it's probably exactly what you expect. But, yeah. So if you're going to do another one, you're going to have to take it in another direction. I'm really glad that this... The world of like phony psychics was a, a way that they went. Well, yeah, it was like and a way like in to tell a different story. Jason Blum, who produced this, essentially went up to Mike Flanagan um, when they were like, "We want to do something really different." And Mike Flanagan was like, "I want to do a family dynamic period piece." And Jason Blum was that's like, "That's all you yes. ever want to do, Mike." <laughs> and Jason Blum was like, "Yeah, please do that." Um, and he was like, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if I want this to be like a super connected movie to the original. And Flanagan was like, no, I'll make some references and I'll like put in this ending bit to like make it so new viewers will enjoy this as well as people who really liked the original Ouija. This will work for right. both. It does, man. It absolutely does. I really liked it. I think it's one of those movies that are like like I kind of keep forgetting that Mike Flanagan made this. Mm-hmm. So every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, and he made that too. Yeah. So like the first time I saw it was before I knew Mike Flanagan's work very well. So I was like, wait, he made that movie. And then I thought about it and I was like, maybe that does make sense. Cause all those pieces are there mm-hmm. and I, it just makes it that much better. Yeah. <sighs> He's so smart. God. Damn, man. It's it's real good. Um, so, yeah, the movies are on uh, Netflix. Uh, make sure to go watch them. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at square horror podcast at gmail.com. Remember to follow us on Spotify as well. That will really help us out. Yes. And tune in next week for a first of two part uh, episode where we are continuing with our postmodern sequels which delve back into a series we talked about many moons ago the alien franchise ago speaking of which and speaking of space yeah we're gonna be back into alien with the uh prequel to the alien franchise in a matter of speaking Mm -hmm. uh and then a sequel a A sequel to that prequel yeah well it's definitely the, the sequel to that prequel um, but it's within the same universe, I think, as the Alien movies. Uh, I will say right now, we are going to do our due diligence to uh, deliver in our best terms what is going on with this movie. Mm-hmm. But um, please do not get on us if we don't know exactly when in the timeline the Alien movies are. Yeah. It isn't really expressly stated. <laughs> it's very hard and complicated. <laughs> yes. It's like, ad- like we're going to be dipping our toes into some like advanced science fiction 
to do these movies. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're going to have fun with it. Um, it's going to be really great. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more uh, postmodern sequels to cover after that. Um, a couple more wonderful the remakes before we get to episode 100. Yes. Which is yeah, thanks for sticking with us through this series. Yes, we are so glad to be doing this. Yeah, man. Um, so, shit. Don't play with Ouija boards and take them seriously, because then you can open doors. Yep. And doors lead to um, other rooms. Especially if you don't close the doors. Like you gotta close the door. Yeah, close. If you open it. Close the door and um, and lock the door and uh, just. Take your shoes off before you get in the living room, okay? (laughs) And until next time, everybody, (laughs) you all stay spooky out there.